The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson with you on a Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in and joining us here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Also streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Or if you're listening to us after this is live on our podcast. And uh, again, you can search for the Full Court Press wherever podcasts are available, at least in the major outlets. And you can find past episodes uh, there for uh, from myself, Ajay Salveson, to search those terms, my name, his name, Full Court Press, and uh, you'll be able to find us. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this hour, we'll be talking about the NBA with a little more detail. Game one in the Eastern Conference Finals already underway. Game seven in the Western Conference Semifinals tipping off later tonight. So we'll update the uh, those situations with the storylines that are playing out. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to one of the stats that blew my mind in referring to uh, one of those games uh, coming up here this, uh, this hour, talking about the NBA. Um, there's also some news you just heard at the top of the hour there about Major League Baseball and what their playoff situation is going to look like. They have just reached an agreement, and they're going to a bubble-type format for the postseason. Good idea, bad idea. Do you like the venues and how it's going to play out? So we'll get into that and what the current standings are in Major League Baseball. Also coming up this hour, we'll have a chance to talk to Eli Betker. He writes for the Mountain West Wire, and uh, we've had him on before. He's a good contributor, a friend of the program. And uh, what does the Mountain West season look like next year for basketball? And uh, there's this big announcement that's expected tomorrow from the NCAA Division One Council that's going to discuss Mountain West, excuse me, Division One men's and women's basketball. They will also talk about other winter sports, you know, volleyball, and uh, uh, gymnastics, among others, and could give some additional clarity on football in the spring or in the winter. So a highly anticipated uh, announcement tomorrow with that. Now, the Big Ten could have an announcement of their own. Uh, There's uh, wide speculation that they were going to have an announcement by Sunday. University presidents and chancellors were getting together with medical professionals or medical teams looking at the latest trends, the latest uh, uh, testing techniques. Uh, certainly there's big news out of the Pac-12 with their uh, announcement and uh, cooperation that they have with a specific company about rapid testing. Uh, Arizona's been using it for quite some time. It's been very successful for them. And so uh, there's uh, opportunity here to keep players safe and do regular testing so if anybody's starting to develop some symptoms, you can isolate them quickly but still have games take place. And uh, we were expecting something on Sunday. It never happened. We saw uh, there was word from a Wisconsin president that uh, it's going to be all or nothing, that the universities in the Big Ten are all going to be together or to play or not to play. And then uh, word leaking today from Nebraska, uh, Nebraska's Ted Carter that there could be an announcement as early as tonight. But then he's done some backtracking since then as he was caught on a hot mic saying there could be a decision made and announced uh, later this evening. But so far, nothing yet. 
Um, and uh, he's kind of walking things back a little bit, saying, well, we're making progress. We don't know exactly when. Uh, take a little bit out of context is what he's trying to say now. But there seems to be movement that the, uh, the, the Big Ten is going to have football this fall and could start as early as mid-October. The Pac-12 continues to be quiet, although a bunch of USC football players joined together and penned a letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom saying, let us play. Please lift the restrictions that are preventing us from practicing. The Pac-12 cannot make a decision about a future or or a start time, can't even think about a start time for a Pac-12 restart until players have a green light in their own states to begin practicing, and that's a problem in uh, the big footprint, at least the, the, the biggest part of that Pac-12 footprint, uh, those, the majority of schools in, in California, um, they, they can't even practice. They don't even have the green light to have that many players come together. So uh, Pac-12 still waiting to see uh, the decisions by other local political uh, leaders about the, their future, and they really can't do anything until that gets decided or upgraded. So Pac-12 is still in a very much wait-and-see uh, mode. But, um, again, multiple uh, people in the media reporting that, that there were some thoughts and indications that the Big Ten might have an announcement, but as they've been following up, nothing seems to be uh, official, nothing really coming down the pipe just yet. So Sometimes when you say things on a hot mic and it gets publicized, you're not ready for it. It can blow things up and uh, put things in reverse. So you always got to be careful with what you say and who you say it to and who you say it around, I should say. Uh, right now in the NBA, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals have begun. And in the first quarter, with about two minutes to go, the Boston Celtics lead the Miami Heat 24-13. to And uh, this, uh, this Boston team jumping out early on Miami and uh, – Excuse me, Marcus Smart is continuing to uh, to wreak havoc for the Boston Celtics. He really came alive in the last couple of games in their series against Toronto, and he's off to a hot start right now with 10 of the 24 for Boston. Uh, Jason Tatum has eight, as those are the two leaders for the Celtics. Even scoring spread around for Miami, uh, Bam Adebayo with five, and uh, he's the leading scorer right now. Several other players contributing, but... Uh, that's, I think, going to be a really interesting series. I think two young, very bright head coaches, certainly Eric Spolster with more experience under his belt uh, than uh, Brad Stevens in Boston. Uh, he's got a championship. He's had some big-name talent that he has worked with, but he's also um, kind of revitalized how people think of him because I think that there was a notion that uh, here's a guy that's just there guiding and just uh, on the coattails of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. But really, he's proving himself with how he has uh, got this team playing really good basketball, great in-game adjustments, uh, adjustments during the series, uh, what he's getting out of some of his players. So very impressive what's going on in Miami with Eric Spolstra. Uh, and to see certainly uh, what uh, what Jimmy Butler is doing, and uh, how this team is uh, uh, really coming together for Miami. Now, there is some news today about the NBA All-Rookie Team uh, that was announced, and uh, that was uh, the the first, excuse me, we'll start with the second team 
Uh, Michael Porter Jr. makes it on the second team. Uh, Brandon Clark uh, from Memphis. Kobe White from Chicago. Rui Hachimura from Washington. And Daniel Gafford from uh, Chicago makes it uh, on the second team. And on the all-rookie first team, John Morant, Zion Williamson, Kendrick Nunn at Miami, uh, Darius Garland at Cleveland, and R.J. Barrett on the uh, first team. So all the all-NBA first team for the uh, the New York Knicks. So this uh, Miami team is relying on some of their rookies to make a, a big part of who they are and what they're doing and some of the success that they're having so far in the playoffs. Um, but I think this will be a really intriguing series. Uh, I think uh, the, the real question for for uh, for me is if this continues to go a little bit longer, will Gordon Hayward join the Boston Celtics? And if so, does he disrupt what they've got going right now, or does he just add additional depth and more weapons for them? Um, and to be honest, I'm probably leaning more towards Boston winning this one and going to the finals based on the matchups and the talent that uh, on the roster right now, um, I just am unsure about the depth for for Miami. They're getting a lot out of guys that you probably didn't know before the playoffs. I know I didn't know who they were, but it's still impressive to see what they've been able to do to to be in this. Um, and certainly from you know, watching a former Jazz man Jay Crowder having some success with Miami. That's uh, that's been kind of fun to watch to see how that that plays out. So that series underway right now. First quarter just coming to a close here shortly, and uh, Boston leads it 26-18. to 18. But uh, it's a Game 7 in the Western semifinals. It's the, the Denver Nuggets against the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers going into this are favored by 7.5. And, and i got to think that a lot of the pressure is on Los Angeles to close this out. The Nuggets were left for dead, and they've been left for dead twice in the playoffs against the Jazz and now again against the Clippers. Being down 3-1 in a series, in points of the series where they were getting dominated and looked like they didn't have any business being there, but they've had multiple uh, multiple games where they've come back from double digits to secure wins. And in fact, against the Clippers, they haven't just won narrowly in those comebacks. They've won going away on some of those. So uh, i Got to be honest. Uh, I got to be. I'm impressed with Coach Mike Malone and what he's doing with this Denver Nuggets team. I think Nikola Jokic is exploiting the uh, his advantage. Um, I think that Murray has started to come alive a little bit more, and he's finding his rhythm. And uh, will that be able to continue? Uh, can the Clippers get more out of their bench? Uh, they've been kind of quiet. It's not so much their bench, but their other starters, not named Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Those two guys are coming and bringing intensity and contributing every game. But some of the other starters for the Clippers have been notably absent. And so they haven't scored more than five points in some of these games. Uh, numerous starters. Uh, so the uh, what will happen with the Clippers and the adjustments that they make to try to get themselves going in this one? Uh, the Clippers have not made it to the Western Conference Finals ever. As many good teams as they had with with Chris Paul before, and now with uh, Kawhi Leonard there to try to and Paul George trying to get things done, there are a lot of expectations it would be among the top teams in the West. They haven't got there yet, so uh, that was going to be a really interesting game seven seven o'clock tonight on TNT. 
Um, and uh, excuse me, on ESPN. Sorry, it's on ESPN tonight. But um, it's hard to to count the Nuggets out after what they've done to get back into the series. What Jamal Murray has done, uh, Michael Porter Jr. kind of got put in timeout a little bit, uh, and then came back and is uh, contributed and is making shots using his length and is providing another third, fourth scoring option for Denver. So um, interesting to see how this one plays out, who comes out on top. Will it be a, a knockout drag-down fight for like the, the Jazz uh, Game 7 was, where it's a real defensive game, where every point is a premium and it's a low-scoring game? Or will it be more of an up-and-down contest? Uh, in the Denver wins, um, they've uh, they've been able to push the tempo a little bit more. Scoring 110 to 111 points in their three wins, in their losses, um, you know they're they're not scoring uh, nearly as much. They're getting at about 100 points in the game. So can they push the tempo and get up and down the up and down the court in transition um, and uh, put the pressure on the Clippers defensively? Because when you get the Clippers in a half court set, uh, that's they're going to be much harder to score against. So. Uh, interesting to see how this one plays out. Again, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press, let's shift from the college, or excuse me, from the NBA game to the college game. Eli Betker will join us as he is a contributor for the Mountain West Wire. And what is the Mountain West season going to look like this year? What are some of the better teams to keep an eye on after graduations and early exits uh, to the NBA? Um, and so what is this going to look like? What are some of the latest news and and trends as uh, we get closer to an announcement about an upcoming college basketball season. So we'll have a conversation with Eli Betker coming up next right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you here on a Tuesday. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 1069thefan.com. And by the way, if you want to weigh in, if you've got a question uh, or a comment about the upcoming college basketball season, feel free to text into the program, 435-339-0321. And uh, shifting to the college game, let's talk to Eli Betker. He's a contributor with uh, Heat Check College Basketball. Keeps a very close eye on the Mountain West. Uh, he's been a friend of the program. We've had him on before. Eli, thanks for your time tonight. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, the, we've been hearing about this big announcement that's supposed to be made tomorrow. This Division One Council supposed to be making an announcement about what the college basketball season could look like for next year. Uh, what are some of the rumblings you're hearing that could come out of that meeting and could be announced tomorrow? Yeah, the expected start date is probably the most important option that's being weighed right now. It was initially looking like it would be November 25th, but after some lobbying back and forth, it does look like November 21st, which falls on the Saturday before Thanksgiving, is expected to be the start date. And that's it's just a minor change. It's about 11 days uh, postponed from what the initial start date was going to be but what that does is it buys some time which is obviously important but another thing it does is it plays into the academic calendar pretty nicely 
with a number of these universities having their finals either nearly wrapped up or, or close to wrapped up by then. And what we'll see most likely, at least from what I'm hearing, is a lot of these multi-team events like a Maui Invitational, like the Champions Classic that we see to start the year, those will probably be nosed up right to that November 21st start date. And so we could open up the season with a lot of these games being played in uh, alternative locations to open up the season and, and being able to play these games in a safe manner. Yeah, John Rothstein earlier today saying that according to some sources, Orlando is going to be hosting a lot of these tournaments. They'll be relocating from where they normally are to Orlando, either where the NBA is playing now or to other venues within the Orlando proper. Um, Utah State's involved in, in one of those tournaments, and a couple other Mountain West teams uh, are involved in those tournaments as well. Uh, what is that? I guess how important do you think that is that those tournaments still exist and there's still those opportunities to play in those kinds of tournaments? I think it's it's massively important. Uh, I think it was back maybe about a month ago or so, we got news that I believe it was Kentucky and Michigan were slated to play in the first ever uh, little tournament event in London. And of course, being, being played abroad, that uh, brings several complications. But that game had been postponed uh, to the 2021-2022 season. And that's when I started to get a little bit concerned. But what we've seen these past few weeks, I think, is really good signs that it's obviously not the same type of aesthetic of having, say, the Maui Invitational being played uh, in Orlando or having some of these games move to Asheville or Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But the fact that they're at least scheduled to be played, I think, is so important to get this season underway. And particularly if you take a team like Utah State or just any of these other teams that are trying to compete for March Madness bid outside of those power conferences. It's just so important for those teams to get quality games before league play starts. We saw it this past year with San Diego State being able to earn all those quality victories to set up for what would have been a really good seed. So it will not only be really important for all these teams, but it's a great way to start the season and what's been a pretty chaotic summer. And uh, opening up the year with a lot of quality games will be great to welcome the sport back. San Diego State has been a tremendous program uh, in the Mountain West. They 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 get a lot of national recognition and deservedly so for what they do. Uh, Utah State has certainly put a stamp on things the last few seasons. Nevada has been uh, a, a name of of note nationally and some of the things that they've done. Do you get the sense that with those three and maybe even UNLV, it would include them in that that. Uh, those are teams that are positioned to do well with some of these non-conference tournaments that may be happening and, and their opportunities to still play some premier programs before the conference schedule gets underway? Yeah, I, I think more or less. I think it's probably going to be more important for some of these schools like San Diego State, which really had to scramble last summer to get some of those games on their schedule and it paid huge dividends. But, uh, I mean, you take some of these teams that aren't necessarily going to have great win opportunities in league play and I mean, we've seen it with the Mountain West some years you I mean you have a team like San Diego State was last season and other years it can be a one bid league as it was a couple of years ago so it it fluctuates quite a bit but it all ends up uh, coming back to what happens in November and December so often and I think these recent signs if you take again Utah State for example they would have several quality win chances in their bracket that they're supposed to play in Orlando could have teams like Pittsburgh, Nebraska, Missouri, 
even Dayton, which is one of the best teams in the nation last year. Those games, and especially in a season that it's going to be pretty wonky as it is, we'll see the schedule be trimmed by a number of games. If a team like Utah State can pick up one of those quality wins right out of the gate, then that really sets up uh, the possibility of getting a quality seed in March. And it's just, it's so hard to gauge what these schedules are going to be look like. It, assistant coaches take months and months to try to assemble these schedules, and now everything's thrown out the window. So if you're able to get a good team on your schedule in November and you're able to pick up one of those wins, I think it's just so hugely important for what the rest of the season could look like. Again, we're talking to Eli Betker. He is a contributor for uh, Heat Check College Basketball. Uh, as you look at the the Mountain West as a whole, uh, is is it is it hard to tell what the Mountain West might the Mountain West season might look like this year with some of the the who might be on top or challenged to win the conference, or is it pretty fair to to see what who's coming back based on what happened a year ago? Yeah, I, I think with the Mountain West, there's usually a, a handful of teams that you can see uh, pretty constantly up top. Of course, San Diego State, with what they did this past season, they're still pegged uh, by most regards to be up top, but they lose their best player, Malachi Flynn, who's headed to the NBA draft. So that's a, a, that's pretty significant for them, but they still have plenty of returning. Matt Mitchell is a possible conference player of the year type candidate. They have a really good transfer in Terrell Gomez from CSU Northridge. So I think they're pretty steady in the number one slot, but I think you have at least three or four teams that are in that mix of finishing any, anywhere from second to fifth. Um, Utah State is one of them. My biggest question for them is what happens post-Sam Merrill. That's, a, of course, a big loss for them. Boise State has had a couple of uh, tough years by their expectations, but they have a ton of talent heading into campus, and so they could definitely be in the mix. And then other teams like UNLV, which has been pretty solid now under TJ Offelberger, I like them quite a bit. And even Nevada, which had big news this past week of Grant Sherfield receiving a waiver from Wichita State. So you have a lot of teams that, again, and I say this every year at the Mountain West, but you have so many teams that are bunched up in those second and third tiers that you can expect some of these teams to finish as high as second or maybe as low as fifth or sixth. But I still think San Diego State is the team to beat until proven otherwise. New Mexico and Fresno always seem to intrigue me that they look like they should be better teams, but they always seem to f- to underperform in some way or, or another. Is this is this going to be a telling year for Coach Weir? Is this is he on the hot hottest seat in the Mountain West? I would say that he is, and uh, it's it's just such a fascinating situation with New Mexico with the program that they have. It's such a loyal fan base and. They're able to get some really good players on campus, and I think by most regards, a lot of people thought this past season would go a completely different direction. They had so many quality players on campus, Jaquan Lyle, the Ohio State transfer, Carlton Bragg, who's a former five-star, and it just really went off the rails, and you have off-court issues, you have things falling apart, and now Paul Weir has to pick up those pieces, and this is probably, at least on paper, going to be one of his weaker teams, but the, the contradiction here is Paul Weir, it, by most regards, at least how at least how I have been able to gauge him in recent years, it seems that he does his best coaching when he doesn't necessarily have the most talented team. So they could very well fly under the radar, and I know that they haven't met expectations in recent years, but this is still a team that brings some quality players back. They just have to find a way to grind out some victories, but 
I mean, as you mentioned, it is a team that has underperformed in recent years, and uh, it's definitely a program that has a really loyal fan base behind it, and they have plenty of expectations. And if things go south, we'll see what happens with Paul Weir over in Albuquerque. Over the last uh, two seasons, it looked like, by all accounts, it was going the Mountain West was going to be a one-bid league, but because of Utah State forcing the issue in the conference tournament, uh, they were going to send two teams. Um, they certainly did that two years ago and would have, should have done that this last year. Do you think this, anything is going to be different this upcoming year? Or do you think the Mountain West has some, maybe some some gravitas behind them this year that they could be considered for as a multi-bid league? I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I think if I were to pick right now, I would say it's probably a one-bid league. I think San Diego State is going to be right in that maybe six to eight seed range. And I think beyond that, it's just a lot of question marks. Some of those teams that I mentioned earlier, like Boise State, like UNLV, uh, like Utah State, those teams could very well wind up in that bubble mix. I would not be surprised if they did. But again, this all comes back to what happens with these schedules in November and December, because if these teams aren't able to uh, pick up quality wins or even have chances of quality wins, it's just so hard to, to impress the selection committee. And in a shortened year, you're going to have a lot of these power conference teams that are playing against one another. So that will boost their own standings. And in a conference like the Mountain West, you just don't get as many opportunities. So I would lean with it being a one-bid league right now. But if a team like Boise State or Utah State were able to sneak up, as we've seen in recent years for the Mountain West, I think this could wind up being a two-bid league if everything works out. Uh, any uh, any thoughts about the the players? Any specific players that you think could be standouts that people just can't miss? I think the the first player I would want to point out is David Jenkins Jr. He's a former South Dakota State transfer. He played under T.J. Altsberger uh, before Altsberger came over to UNLV. Uh, I could very well see him leading the league in scoring. He's just a fantastic perimeter guy does a lot of other things in terms of assists and rebounds and, and plays pretty good defense. So that's definitely one that I'm keeping an eye on. I also like Desmond Cambridge from Nevada. Uh, he's a Brown transfer who out this past season. There's going to be so many opportunities on that Nevada team for guys to score with Jalen Harris going pro, and I think Cambridge could be one to step up. And uh, a lot of people that follow me, they know I'm a huge fan of Justin Bean. I really like what he does on the floor, even if it – doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but he even has good stats beside him. And I think now with Sam Merrill uh, graduating, I think he's going to have to take another step up offensively and being able to do that alongside Namias Keita. Uh, I definitely have uh, plenty of promise when I'm looking at Utah State. So those are three guys that I have my eyes on right now. Well, Eli, it's always great stuff. You're always coming up with great detail. Uh, people can read your, your stuff on Heat Check College Basketball. It's heatcheckcbb.com. And uh, a lot of great contributors there covering college basketball. Uh, appreciate the insights, the, the research. You always have great stuff. We always appreciate you coming on and joining us as we look forward to college basketball. Hopefully a really good announcement tomorrow that gets everything rolling for college basketball. Yep, fingers crossed, Eric. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Eli. Again, Eli Betker and a contributor to Heat Check CBB. That's for college basketball, heatcheckcbb.com. And uh, good stuff there about the Mountain West and their upcoming season. Hopefully, really good news tomorrow. So, we have an idea and a framework for these seasons and these schedules to start to be put into place. 
All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, uh, an update on what's going on with the NBA. Give predictions on Game 7 tonight in the Western Semifinals. And college, or excuse me, Major League Baseball has some news today about their postseason. And what do the races look like uh, in the standings for just a few more weeks left of the Major League Baseball regular season? We'll talk about that next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Big thanks to Eli Becker for joining me earlier. If you missed part of what he had to say, you'd like to go back and listen to it again. Go check out our podcasts on 1069thefan.com. Uh, it'll be posted tomorrow for sure, by tomorrow. Um, he did have a piece on his uh, website that he contributes to, Heat Check CBB. That's Heat Check College Basketball. HeatCheckCBB.com. Um Power rankings for the Mountain West. Now, this was put together in June. Uh, granted, there's not a whole lot that's changed since then, although I think we know a little bit more about Utah State's young players, uh, what they may be able to do. But, um, not, again, I haven't been able to see a lot of practices and uh, media interviews with a lot of these teams. So he's got San Diego State number one, and then there's a gap. And then Boise State number two, Utah State number three. Uh, Boise State benefiting from a lot of transfers. It's the reason why he has them ahead of the Aggies. Uh, some real questions about um, you know, the guard play for Utah State. Uh, then there's another gap. And then UNLV number four, Colorado State number five, Wyoming number six, Nevada number seven, New Mexico number eight. All kind of grouped together. Then another gap followed by Fresno State, San Jose, and Air Force. So, uh, interesting comments, though, and different perspectives about the Mountain West. And uh, encouraging news, I think we'll get tomorrow, that will help set the framework to make or to help these teams move forward so that a conference schedule can be officially put together, a non conference schedule which was already on paper, can be inked and made official. Maybe some tweaks here about when this regular season was going to actually happen this year compared to what we thought was going to happen in the spring and even in early summer when some of these schedules were being finalized. But by most accounts, it looks like Utah State may be able to maintain the majority of their schedule as they were able to put it together. Uh, but again, that's a, that announcement will be coming tomorrow. Uh, in the Western Conference semifinals, again, that starts at 7 o'clock on ESPN tonight. Nuggets and Clippers, Game 7. Uh, i got to be honest on this one. The, the Clippers are favored by 7.5. I think that if this game is close, uh, I hate to steal from Ajay, but I really agree with him. If it's a close game, it could be anybody's game. If, it's, uh, if, it's, if the Clippers by 10, going at about five minutes to go, uh, I would probably say the Clippers are going to hang on and, and win it by double digits. But uh, this Nuggets team 
has a never-say-die attitude, and uh, they've got some guys that are are contributing and making some big shots and making things happen for them. Uh, I think that the all the pressure is on the Clippers. Um, I, I think that in the end, though, they are a deeper and perhaps even more talented squad. Um, I think they have an advantage with their coach and their coaching staff. It's a really good coaching staff that Denver has with their assistants. But um, I think in the end it's going to be the Clippers, but I think it'll be a close barn burner of a game uh, for for a good chunk of the game. Uh, so the real question is, can the Clippers get help from people not named Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Um, so that's that's going to be the key determining factor there. I do think the Clippers win it. I think it'll, I would take Denver with the uh, to cover, but I still take the Clippers to win. Uh, right now in the other series, uh, Game 1 in the Western Conference Finals, Heat kind of struggled in the first quarter, only shot like 24%, but they weren't out of it. Uh, and uh, those shots are now starting to fall. They're getting good looks, and now they lead 55-52 to with about 30 seconds to go until halftime. So not a great first quarter. They have poured it on here in the second, and uh, it's a they've now taken the lead after being down by about eight points in the first. And they're certainly finding their offense now after not having it earlier on uh, in the game. So a uh, exciting night of basketball on ESPN tonight. Now it's uh, zeros on the clock. It's now halftime. It's tied at 55 apiece at the end of the second quarter. So up for an exciting game one in the east and it should be an exciting game seven in the west. Uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, we heard near the top of the hour that the Major League Baseball has made some decisions about their postseason and how that will look. And there's been a lot of talk about whether or not they should do a bubble, whether they should just keep things traditionally as they as they have been, uh, and how they handle a postseason so that uh, to preserve that the postseason does happen. Uh, it's a major financial implications for Major League Baseball going forward if they can continue to have a postseason. So an agreement has been struck between the players and the owners and the organization as a whole. So I'll update you on that and the current standings in Major League Baseball. Uh, by the way, a quick correction to something we talked about earlier in the show. The uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational, which Utah State will be participating in, well, along with some other real notable teams, uh, is going to be taking place in Orlando, as we said, uh, but it's not a round robin. It is a bracket. Uh, you are now each team is guaranteed a certain number of games. You will play like uh, three games each, um, but uh, they do have a. It's in a bracket format, so we don't know who Utah State will be uh, set against. What the bracket will look like for this year, they haven't published that yet. Uh, we do know the teams that have been invited to the bracket, but the uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational has not officially published what that bracket will look like. So if even if you go to their website, you can see the teams that are going to be participating. Some real notable teams there, but we don't know who Utah State will be paired against and, uh, and what their their path might look like in that bracket. Uh, and again, that, uh, that tournament will take place, but it'll be in Orlando, not in South Carolina. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll take a look at Major League Baseball. Some big announcements today about their postseason. A bubble format is working for the NBA. 
and uh, Major League Baseball is taking a close look at it, and they think something similar should take place for them. But it's kind of a blend. We'll explain how that's going to work coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Hey, before we get into baseball news, I wanted to pass this along. Mountain West related. San Diego State, if and when they do play, uh, they will not be playing in their new arena. They've got an agreement to play their football games during the spring and fall seasons of 2021 in suburban Los Angeles. Uh, so they're going to go to Carson. Uh, this is uh, it's seventy thousand. Well, they're it's a thirty five thousand seat venue where they're going to be uh, going um, into what they're what they're building. They're leaving the seventy thousand seat stadium uh, where they've been, where they jointly uh, participated with the Chargers. Chargers left. It's been a bad, bad deal. It's not a good stadium. Uh, San Diego State wants to build their own stadium, and they're going to do that in Mission Valley, but it's not on schedule, and they need to get out of the the San Diego Community Credit Union Stadium, SDCCU Stadium, uh, earlier than planned. So what they're going to do is they're going to go to Carson, which is in um, suburban Los Angeles, to play their games. Now, this is where... uh, this is a major home for Major League Soccer. Uh, the Chargers, interestingly enough, had a couple of seasons there while they waited for SoFi Stadium to be built. Um, but uh, now the San Diego State Aztecs will again follow the Chargers. Uh, now, Chargers aren't going to be there anymore. They're going to the new big, fancy, multi-billion dollar stadium in Inglewood. But uh, San Diego State Aztecs, will not play in San Diego this coming year. So they're still working on their new stadium. Uh, it's a little going to be a little bit more intimate, um, but uh, it's not ready yet. So for one year, they're going to be relocating. They'll have to get on a bus for a couple hours and head up to Los Angeles to Carson and uh, play there. Actually, it may be cheaper for opponents to get in to, to those games, it's cheaper to fly into L.A. than it is to fly into San Diego. Um, but uh, the Aztecs will have to be playing their, their home away from home. Now, we don't know yet if they are actually going to play in the spring. The Mountain West hasn't officially said that yet. They just said they've postponed the season and not laid out any plans about what that schedule might look like. While uh, other conferences around the country are playing, uh, Big Ten is looking like they're going to move forward and start as early as mid-October. Pac-12, there's a growing discontent among some of their players that they want to uh, they want to get going. They want to play. They've got rapid testing, which is supposed to begin later this month. But uh, you know, for a lot of those schools, they can't even practice yet. Uh, they'll be 
based on you know, state and local guidelines. So, uh, but the San Diego State, when and if they do play this coming year, it will actually be in, uh, in the Los Angeles area. Uh, some news about Major League Baseball. Now, we've uh, been playing at their home arenas. There's been some missteps along the way. Some games have had to be canceled. Some games have had to be postponed and made up because of coronavirus tests. It was kind of a rocky start earlier on in the season. But I think by all, by all accounts, Major League Baseball has done a pretty good job since then of taking care of their business. Uh, and today they announced that rather than continuing things out and playing as we normally do in the postseason, they're going to shift in the postseason to go to a bubble. Now, there's uh, there's some grumblings among players that, hey, we've done a good job. We've made the adjustments. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and uh, we're doing okay the way we're doing it. But the fear is that uh, they've gone this far. Major League Baseball wants to make sure that they do have a postseason. So to do that, they've agreed, both sides have agreed, on this bubble concept for the postseason. Now, here's how it's going to work. Uh, There's going to be um, designated locations. The National League Divisional Series will be at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, and at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Uh, The ALDS, that'll take place at Petco Park in San Diego and Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Interesting that the Dodgers, National League, club will be the home for the American League Division Series. But I guess you could say the same thing for the National League taking place, uh, the NLDS happening in Houston. Uh, But when it gets to the NLCS, it will narrow to just Globe Life Field in Arlington, and the ALCS will just take place in Petco Park. And then when it comes to the World Series, it will be in Globe Life Field there in Arlington, Texas. So, World Series played entirely at the Texas Rangers' new ballpark. Um, the best of three first round of the postseason, it's going to be expanded this year from 10 teams to 16 teams, and that will be at the homes of the top-seeded teams. So, that's why it's a, where well, I said, there's a blend here. The higher-seeded teams in the, in the wild card or in the best of three first round season uh, those will be at the home sites of the top-seeded teams. But once you get beyond that, then you start to go to these designated locations. There are uh, no off days. Off days were eliminated for the Division Series and League Championship Series. So it, pitching rotations will be at a premium. How you manage your bullpens will be really part of the gamesmanship and chess match in the postseason. Um, and the other thing is that uh, they've agreed that one week before these playoffs begin, everyone's going into a type of quarantine. Um, even if there are games in your hometown, you're isolating in a hotel. So uh, they want to make sure that, um, that everybody is good to go when the playoffs begin. Uh, so anybody that's in mathematical contention has to start what they're calling a transition period on September 22nd in the American League. National League teams will start that transition the following day. So up to 28 active roster players, 12 taxi squad players, 50 additional personnel, ranging from bullpen catchers to front office staff, they all have to remain at a team, a designated team transition hotel 
or travel with the team on the road. Everybody is together. Everybody stays isolated together. Uh, when you go play these games, you return to the same hotel. You don't go home. You go to the hotel. And so you do that for about a week before the uh, the playoffs get underway. Uh, there are some uh, family members, uh, spouses, domestic partners, children, child care providers. They can stay with players during the transition period. Uh, people other than players may not bring family to the transition hotel or on the road. So trying to put some restrictions here. Uh, but a player may have up to six family members and guests stay at a separate family hotel at those four designated sites. So they can still be in proximity, but they have to be isolated and basically quarantined as well. So bottom line here is that Major League Baseball is trying to make a plan to make sure that their postseason happens. And who goes? Who's going to participate? Um, I don't know that a lot has changed from the last time Ajay and I went into this and talked about the the postseason races, other than uh, the Minnesota Twins are on a tear, and they have displaced the Cleveland Indians. Uh, They're making a run at the AL Central, putting some pressure on the White Sox. Uh, They're playing really well right now. Um, I think that's probably one of the the biggest movers. Uh, Some teams, there's been some separation, uh, but the Padres – they're making a run at the uh, the Dodgers as well in the West, in the National League West. They're only a game and a half behind the Dodgers. Uh, a uh, division that the Dodgers looked like they had sewed up a long time ago and were going to dominate. Well, the Padres have been on a terror, as we talked about earlier. When they, Fernando Tatis hit that grand slam on a 3-0 pitch after they already had a big lead, they have been on a terror and own Major League Baseball's best record since that time, and they're putting a lot of pressure on on the Dodgers, just a game and a half behind in the National League West. So uh, a lot of really close games still to be had. Uh, the Athletics holding a nice, comfortable lead over the Astros in the American League West, six and a half games ahead of Houston. Uh, but Houston could be one of those teams that could make a late run and uh, could be a, a Cinderella team in the postseason just because of familiarity. Uh, of uh, being there. Granted, there's no banging garbage cans and video and anything like that, but uh, they still have a really deep team and a good team, and uh, they uh, they could capture something again. So I think it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here in Major League Baseball as it starts to wind down, as uh, teams make their stretch run here, try to seal things up. There are still some uh, divisions that aren't wrapped up yet, Actually, quite a few that are not wrapped up and could still be interesting down to the wire. So... Don't take your eye off of Major League Baseball as uh, they're going to be starting to their transition to the, uh, the postseason here within just a few weeks, and teams will start to isolate on the 22nd with the uh, playoffs beginning on the 29th with wildcard series taking place. Uh, eight best-of-three matchups in that round. So it'll be fun having more playoffs, more teams be able to participate, and uh, frankly, I think the bubble is the right choice for Major League Baseball just to ensure that it does, in fact, happen and does take place to make sure we have a champion crown uh, for the World Series in Major League Baseball. That's going to do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Hurricane John Newbold. Thanks to Ajay Salveson earlier, and thanks to Eli Betker for joining me as we talked about the Mountain West Conference. If you missed any of it you want to listen again, check out our podcasts on 1069thefan.com. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and A.J. Selvison. That's what you get for sending me to a restaurant that was closed for two months. I was excited to go get me some Mexican food. I go there and the doors are shut. The signage is gone and... Lights were off and A.J. standing at the door. 
Hello? I drove all the way to North Logan to go to a restaurant to have some food. It's not even open. It's shut down. It's closed down. <laughs> Been trying to get back at me all this time. You deserve Friday night. Weekdays from 4 to 6, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.